Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. This segment is from Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen, Book 1, Canto 6, Part 2, Episode 16. Podcast 134 is entitled The Perils of Una. In last week's episode... Una was saved from the evil Sansloy by the wood gods, which consisted of fauns and satyrs. They think she is a god. She orders them not to worship her and tries to teach them truth and light. They become her great friends. In this podcast, we continue with Una's trials. In this, the second half of Canto 6, we are introduced to a new hero, a very strange hero, a rather uncouth and fearless and famous knight known as Saturane. He delights in being a knight in shining armor. He came to the woodland to find his father and mother, who deserted him. When he sees Una's plight, he immediately sets out to rescue her. It fortuned a noble warlike knight by just occasion to the forest came to seek his kindred and the lineage right from whence he took his well-deserved name. He had in arms abroad won much fame and filled far lands with glory of his might, plain, faithful, true, an enemy of shame, and ever loved to fight for ladies' right. But in vain glorious phrase he little did delight. As the name suggests, Saturn is the sons of a satyr, but he rises above his heritage, though he has come to the forest to seek out his kinfolk. He is unique, however. Saturn rescues fair ladies. His father exploited them. Spencer calls his father Therion, a loose, unruly swain. His mother, fair Thiamus, also a woodland creature, was a mild lady, born of Lebride, a rather lustful mother. A satyr son he born in forest wild by strange adventure as it did betide, and there begotten of a lady mild, fair Thiamus, the daughter of Lebride, that was in sacred bands of wedlock tied to Therian, a loose, unruly swain, who had more joy to range the forest wild and chase the savage beast with busy pain than serve his lady's love and wast in pleasure's vain. Thiamus, pregnant with her son, Saturn comes to the woods to find her wandering husband who seeks other lovers. She falls under the power of another satyr who imprisons her. The forlorn maid did with love's longing burn and could not lack her lover's company. But to the wood she goes to serve her turn and seek her spouse that from her still doth fly and follows other game and venery. A satyr chanced her wondering for to find and made her person thrall unto his beastly kind. He holds her captive in a secret cabin. When the child is born, 
The satyr allows Thiamus to return home, but keeps her son for ransom. Rather than his real father and mother, Saturn is raised by the wild satyr, teaching him the life and manners of wild beasts and woods, exiled from the laws of men. Saturn has a mixture of uncouth knightly chivalry and woodland savagery. So long in secret cabin there he held, then home he suffered her for to retire for ransom, leaving him the late-born child whom till to riper years he gan aspire, he nourished up in life and manners wild, amongst wild beasts and woods, from laws of man exiled. Saturn was taught to banish cowardice and fear by being forced to handle lions and bears. He was even taught to tear a cub from her mother. He was made to ride wild bulls and overtake running elk, so that all beasts feared him. For all he taught the tender imp, was but to banish cowardice and bastard fear. His trembling hand he would him force to put upon the lion and the rugged bear, and from the she-bear's teats her whelps to tear. And eke wild roaring bulls he would him make to tame, and ride their backs not made to bear, and the roebucks in flight to overtake that every beast for fear of him did fly. And quake. Saturn became so fearless that his own master trembled before him. He taught Saturn not to hurt the beast, and they would learn to serve him. The lion would stoop to him, and the leopard would cease her roaring. Thereby, so fearless and so fell he grew that his own sire and master of his guise did often tremble at his horrid view, and off for dread of hurt would him advise. The angry beast not rashly to despise, nor too much to provoke. For he would learn the lion stoop to him in lowly wise, a lesson hard, and make the leopard stern leave roaring when in rage he for revenge did earn. As a result, leopards, husked boars, panthers, tigers, antelope, and wolves feared him as men feared the laws of a tyrant. And for to make his power approved more, wild beasts in yon yokes he would compel, the spotted panther and the tusked boar, the peredale swift and the tiger cruel, the antelope and wolf both fierce and fell, and them constrained in equal team to draw. Such joy he had their stubborn heart to quell, and sturdy courage tame and dreadful awe that his behest they feared as a tyrant's law. One day, Thiamus, his mother, came to the woods and saw her small son, Saturn, steal the whelps of a lion and fearlessly carry them in his strong arms, while the lioness roared helpless in a rage. His loving mother came upon a day into the woods to see her little son and chanced unawares to meet him in the way after his sports and cruel pastime done, and after him a lioness did run, that roaring all with rage did loud require her children dear, whom he away had won. The lion whelp she saw how he did bear and lolen rugged arms withouten childish fear. Thiamus trembled at the sight. She turned and ran, but love for her son caused her to stay. She advised her son Saturn as follows. The fearful dame all quaked at the sight, and turning back, 
gan fast to fly away, until with love revoked from vain affright, she hardly yet persuaded was to stay. And then to him these womanish words gan say, Ah, Saturn, my dearling, and my joy, for love of me leave off this dreadful play, to dally thus with death is no fit toy, go find some other playfellows, mine own sweet boy. Though softened somewhat by his mother's teachings, Saturn did not heed his mother's warning. Once he had conquered all the wild animals of the wild wood, he desired to go abroad and have adventures and become famous. He soon became famous through all fairyland. In these and like delights of bloody game he trained was, till riper years he wrought, and there abode, whilst any beast of name walked in the forest, whom he had not taught to fear his force. And then his courage hot desired a foreign foeman to be known, and far abroad for strange adventures sought, in which his might was never overthrown, but through all fairy land his famous worth was blown. Saturn, however, often returned to the woods after his adventures. That is how he chanced upon Una. She looked strange and out of place, teaching the satyrs how to be civilized. Yet evermore it was his manner fair after long labors and adventure spent unto those native woods for to repair to see his sire and offsprings ancient, and now he thither came for like intent. Where he, unawares, the fairest Una found, strange lady, in so strange habiliment, teaching the satyrs, which her sat around, through sacred lore, which from her sweet lips did rebound. Saturn was enthralled by Una's extraordinary wisdom and beauty. He admired her and pitied her for her sorrows. He became her pupil and learned her discipline of faith and virtue. He wondered at her wisdom heavenly rare, whose like in women's wit he never knew, and when her courteous deeds he did compare, gan her admire, and her sad sorrows rue, blaming of fortune, which such troubles threw, and joyed to make proof of her cruelty on gentle dame, so hurtless and so true. Thenceforth he kept her goodly company and learned her discipline of faith and verity. And of course that is the primary message. Truth tames the savage beast. Spencer is speaking of the truths of the gospel. It changes people's hearts, even the wild Saturn. Una confided in Saturn how she sought the Red Cross Knight. Though she loved the wood people, she wondered how she could escape the wild woods. Saturn began to form a plan to help her to find the Red Cross Knight. But she, all vowed unto the Red Cross Knight, his wandering peril closely did lament. Ne in this new acquaintance could delight, but her dear heart with anguish did torment, and all her wit in secret counsel spent how to escape. At last, in privy wise, to Saturn she showed her intent who glad to gain such favor, gan devise how with that pensive maid he might thence arise. Saturn waited until the satyrs were gone to serve Sylvanus, the deity of the woods. In their absence, he led Una through the forest so fast that the satyrs could never find her. 
So on a day when satyrs all were gone to do their service to Sylvanus old, the gentle virgin left behind alone he led away with courage stout and bold. Too late it was to satyrs to be told or ever hope recover her again. In vain he seeks that having cannot hold. So fast he carried her with careful pain that they the woods are past and come now to the plain. Ironically, while in the woods, she was safe among the fawns and satyrs who were expected to be wild and even beastly, but who treated Una as a goddess. The first person she meets outside of the woods is Archimago, the deceiver, nearly disguised as a wandering pilgrim. The story of Una and the Red Cross Knight can be perhaps summarized in the words of Peter. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So far, we have had the devil appear in the following form. Archimago, the archmagician, who had appeared as a holy man, as the Red Cross Knight, and now as a pilgrim. He symbolizes Satan himself. Duessa, double-minded, a seductress. She represents Babylon or the natural man. Lucifera, a false queen of the house of pride. She represents the pride of the world. The seven deadly sins paraded like celebrities in the house of pride. Sansfoy, without faith, he symbolizes atheism. Sans joy without joy, he symbolizes cynicism and hate. Sans loy without law, he symbolizes chaos or disorder. Cerebus, or night queen of hell, she symbolizes spiritual darkness without God and without light. The dragon and her endless offspring that nearly kills the Red Cross Knight. The dragon represents the serpent or Satan and the evil spirits who follow him. The Red Cross Knight is deceived by Archimago and also by Duessa. Even Una is deceived by Archimago, now disguised as a pilgrim. Archimago lies to Una and tells her that the Red Cross Knight is dead. The knight approaching nigh of him inquired tidings of war and of adventure new. But wars, nor new adventures, none he heard. Then Una gan to ask, If aught he knew or heard abroad of that her champion true, that in his armor bare a crosslet red. I me, dear dame, quoth he, well may I rue to tell the sad sight which mine eyes have read. These eyes did see that night both living and eke dead. Ice runs through Una's heart at the horrible news. She asks the deceitful pilgrim for details. The cruel word, her tender heart so thrilled that sudden cold did run through every vein, and stony horror all her scenes filled with dying fit, that down she fell for pain. The night, her lightly reared up again and comforted with courteous kind relief. Then, one from death, she bade him tell in plain the further process of her hidden grief. The lesser pangs can bear, who hath endured the chief. Archimago tells Una that the Red Cross Knight lost his life in a battle with a pagan knight. 
Then gan the pilgrim thus, I chance this day, this fatal day, that shall I ever rue, to see two knights in travail on my way, a sorry sight, arranged in battle new, both breathing vengeance, both of wrathful hue. My fearful flesh did tremble at their strife, to see their blades so greedily imbrue, that drunk with blood, yet thirsted after life. What more? The Red Cross Knight was slain with Paynim's knife. Una wonders how the strongest knight in the world could lose such a battle. Zatarain immediately inquires where that knight is who killed the valiant Red Cross Knight, so that he can kill him. Archimago tells them where the evil knight can be found. Ah, dearest lord, quoth she, how might that be, and he the strongest knight that ever won? Ah, dearest dame, quoth he, how might I see the thing that might not be, and yet was done? Where is, said Saturn, that Paynim's son, that him of life and us of joy half reft? Not far away, quoth he, he hence doth one forby a fountain, where I late him left washing his bloody wounds that through the still were cleft. The pagan knight was none other than Sansloy, the one who tried to rape Una. Saturnine hastily marched after Sansloy. He found him by a fountain and challenged him. Sansloy immediately responded, And said, Arise, thou cursed miscreant, that hath with nightless guile and treacherous train fair knighthood foully shamed, and doth vaunt that good knight of the Red Cross to have slain. Arise, and with like treason now maintain thy guilty wrong, or else thee guilty yield. The Sarazen, this hearing, rose amain, and catching up in haste his three-square shield and shining helmet, soon him buckled to the field. It was like the Battle of the Titans. Saturnine and Sansloy were equally matched. Therewith they gan, both furious and fell, to thunder blows, and fiercely to assail each other bent, his enemy to quell that with their force they pursed both plate and mail, and made wild furrows in their fleshes frail, that it would pity any living eye. Large floods of blood adowed their sides did rail, but floods of blood could not them satisfy. Both hungered after death, both chose to win or die. They fought like wild animals tearing each other's flesh. So long they fight, and fell revenge pursue that fainting each, themself to breath and let, and oft refreshed, battle oft renew, as when two boars, when rankling malice met, their glory sides, fresh bleeding, fiercely fret, till breathless both themselves aside retire, where foaming wrath their cruel tusks they whet, and trample the earth, the whiles they may respire, then back to fight again, new-breathed and entire. Una arrives as the fight heated up. Sansloy sees her and remembers his former lust. He flees from Saturnine and chases Una. Saturnine, however, catches Sansloy and begins to thrash him with his sword. Whom also soon as that proud Sarazen is spied, he gan revive the memory of his lewd lusts and late attempted sin, and left the doubtful battle hastily, 
to catch her newly offered to his eye. But Saturn with strokes him turning stayed, and sternly bade him other business plied, then hunt the steps of pure unspotted maid, wherewith he all enraged these bitter speeches said. Sansloy threatens Saturn. He tells him it would be better to let him have Una than to die. He turns and strikes Saturn, who does not yield. As the fierce battle continues, Una, who is afraid of Sansloy, flees for her life. Sansloy says to Saturn, O foolish fairy's son, what fury mad hath thee incest to have thy doleful fate? Were it not better I that lady had than that thou hast repented it too late? Most senseless man he, that himself doth hate to love another. Lo then for thine aid, here take the lover's token on thy pate, so they to fight, the whiles the royal maid fled far away, of that proud Paynim sore afraid. Archimago, hiding in the shadows, enjoys the battle. However, when he sees Una running away, he leaves Saturn and Sansloy still fighting to the death and pursues Una in hopes to bring her to her last decay. In other words, in hopes of entirely destroying her, because being evil, he wants to destroy anything that is good. And Una represents true virtue. At this point, Canto Six ends, and we neither know the fate of the fleeting Una, nor the conclusion of the battle between the two fiery knights. But that false pilgrim, which that leasing told, being indeed old Archimago, did stay in secret shadow, all this to behold, and much rejoiced in their bloody fray. But when he saw the damsel pass away, he left his stand, and her pursued apace, in hope to bring her to her last decay, but for to tell her lamentable case, and eke this battle's end, will need another place. Please join us next week as we continue the story of the Red Cross Knight. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.